This episode is brought to you by Extinet Systems. Connecting customers quickly, securely, and reliably to networks and solutions is more crucial than ever. Extinet Systems powers the networks that make buildings run with secure 5G and fiber-neutral host solutions found in thousands of locations, relied upon by some of the largest sports and entertainment venues in the country. With services that include infrastructure, indoor-outdoor mobility, private wireless networks, and enterprise connectivity, Extinet provides businesses with what they need to thrive. Visit extinet.com to learn more. That's E-X-T-E-N-E-T dot com. This episode is also brought to you by Matsing. Does your venue need a high-capacity, reliable network to provide a better fan experience? Did you know that Matsing's innovative lens antennas provide the highest capacity connectivity in stadiums and arenas globally, with only a few antennas needed to cover entire venues? Contact Matsing at matsing.com to discuss your venue's advanced connectivity needs. Sports stadiums and large public venues come in all shapes and sizes. Some have domes, some have natural grass fields, some have banked concrete ovals where cars drive fast. While no two stadiums may be perfectly alike, there's one thing that all stadiums today have in common, a reliance on technology. This is the Stadium Tech Report podcast, where we talk to people on both ends of the stadium technology equation including the stadium technology teams who deploy it and use it, and the vendors and service providers who supply it. I'm Paul Kapuska, editor of the Stadium Tech Report and your host on the Stadium Tech Report podcast. We all understand the need for large public venues to provide security screening. But the new question being asked is, why do so many stadiums still use the old technology of metal detectors? which can produce lengthy lines as fans fish keys and cell phones out of their pockets. Thankfully, a new breed of stadium security technology is emerging, one that supports security screening that takes place at the pace of life, where fans are able to simply walk by scanners at a normal pace without having to divest items from pockets, purses, or bags. Listen in as we talk with Mike Ellenbogen, one of the founders of Evolve, a leader in the new market for walkthrough detection systems. A longtime veteran of the security scanning space, Mike describes what the goals are, as well as what the challenges are for bringing new, disruptive technology to a mission-critical part of venue operations. So I'm founder and chief innovation officer. So Evolve's actually my third startup in the physical security technology space. I kind of grew up within aviation security and had two companies prior to Evolve that were focused on threat detection, mostly explosives for baggage screening and other screening for suitcases going onto airport uh, into airplanes. Mm-hmm. So my last company was called Reveal Imaging Technology. And after 9-11, we developed a system that the TSA uses to screen checked baggage, right? The suitcases, not your carry-on, but the belly bags to automatically look for explosives. And those systems are operating at about 250 airports around the U.S. and another bunch of airports outside the U.S. Um, That company is now part of a larger company called Lidos. And I had sold Reveal in 2010. 
I spent a couple of years with one of the venture capital firms that I partnered with in starting Reveal as in a position called an executive in residence where you kind of figure out. Yeah, great job. Up. Yeah, it is a great job, actually. You know, I was looking at a lot of different areas and then the Sandy Hook shooting happened and then the Boston Marathon bombing happened. And it was it became very clear that, you know, the the calling was to bring the band back together. And, you know, I've been working with this group of people who knew how to solve these really challenging detection problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was very clear that the world needed a better way to protect. I hate the term soft targets, but targets of least resistance from these types of threats, active shooter, terrorism and other related threats. And it's a very, very different challenge than what you're doing to try to keep threats off of an aircraft or out of a courthouse or a prison. Sure. Much more structured, right? Yeah. Well, those are more structured. And the That's people that are going there have kind of trained themselves to, you know, leave an hour ahead of time because you're going to wait in line for a long time. And and then, you know, you compare that to other applications like, you know, stadiums are a pretty extreme example. I got to get you know, 30, 40, 80,000 people in the doors <laughs> in an hour or, you know, an hour-ish. Yeah. Um, I have to screen for threats to the crowd. And, you know, that's a, that's a very different problem um, that metal detectors were never designed originally to solve, right? Metal detectors are now 80, 90-year-old technology. They were originally deployed in Germany in, I think, 1926 to detect employees trying to steal castings out of metal foundries. And the technology has progressed in a very, very kind of linear way. And now they're, they're very good at finding metal. Um, the problem is, you know, we all carry metal nowadays. So the, the challenge to, to be addressed isn't how do we find metal? It's how do we discriminate threats from all the stuff that we all normally carry? So that was, you know, and do it in a way that, that keeps up with the pace of life, right? That flow that people, you know, expect going to a stadium or a museum or performing arts or even into a school in the morning, right? If you think about it, you know, kids get off of buses 40 at a time and want to just get through and get into class, right? Right. And if you have to stop and dump your pockets and stand in line that we've all stood in that frustrating security line, um, you know, it just doesn't work. So I brought the band back together in order to solve this and do it in a way that really kind of hopefully revolutionized and democratized the ability to provide a create a safe environment in those locations that aren't mandated to do a certain, you know, the, the right. type of screening that we've become used to. And I apologize for that very long-winded answer to your question. No, it's great. That's great. But, great you know, that's, that's why we started the company and it, it took us some time to, to get the technology right um, so that we can process, you know, 3,600 people an hour through the ingress process um, and do it in a way that can really reliably detect threats of concerns like firearms and other threats, you know, at the front door. 
Talk to me a little bit about the technology then. I mean, I've been doing a little bit of reading. I found some, you know, scholarly papers. It seems like some of this really came together sort of after 9-11, but millimeter wave, right? Um, How does it work? Actually, so we, as a company, we've developed uh, a a number of products. One was a millimeter wave imaging system, Mm -hmm. right? Which is basically radar that's like the body scanner at the airport, Mm -hmm. you know, that you this one, you know, you put your arms up and yeah. position. The challenge with millimeter wave is it's an imaging technology. So our first product was millimeter wave based. Millimeter wave, because it's imaging, it requires one person at a time, right? So if I'm walking right behind you, you're going to block the imager, right? right? I could piggyback, they call it, right, right behind you. And the system's never going to see something I might be carrying. So what we heard from customers was they really wanted a system that enabled a completely uncontrolled flow, right? right? People kind of walking the way we all normally walk. Um, If I'm walking together with my spouse or, you know, hand in hand with my kid, I don't want to have to separate to go through the security process. I just want to walk through it. And the inspiration was you know, when you walk into Best Buy or, you know, any retail, you're walking between the two loss prevention uh-huh. sensors, right? That are looking for that little RF tag on the clothes or whatever that they're selling. Right. You're walking through a security system, but you're not really thinking about it, right? And unless you're a geek like me, you're not even looking. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah, you see them, I see them, but you're reading, you know, scholarly articles on millimeter wave imaging. Right. So that was the inspiration. and. We, we just couldn't get there with millimeter wave. So we actually shifted and adopted a unique new way of doing magnetic field sensing combined with machine learning to automatically look at and measure the properties of materials as they come through the system, specifically metallic materials, and be able to tell the difference between, say, the aluminum in your cell phone and the steel in a gun barrel or the titanium in an artificial hip and like the steel of a gun barrel. So if you walk through a metal detector with your phone or, you know, with a, with a a knee replacement, you're going to alert that system because it's not, it doesn't have the ability to discriminate a threat, right? Normal everyday objects. So the magnetic field sensing that we have developed can measure different material properties, including you know, the type of metal, the shape, the location, the, the orientation. And we can use that to separate something like an artificial hip from a firearm carried on your hip. Hmm. And we're doing that by really you know, honing in on the characteristics of the threats that are of most concern. When we come back, how does Evolve stack up against its competitors? More from Mike Ellenbogen after the break. This episode is brought to you by Extinet Systems. Connecting customers quickly, securely, and reliably to networks and solutions is more crucial than ever. Extinet Systems powers the networks that make buildings run with secure 5G and fiber neutral host solutions found in thousands of locations relied upon by some of the largest sports and entertainment venues in the country. With services that include infrastructure, 
indoor-outdoor mobility, private wireless networks, and enterprise connectivity, Extinet provides businesses with what they need to thrive. Visit extinet.com to learn more. That's E-X-T-E-N-E-T dot com. If you like our show, why not take a minute now to subscribe to make sure you don't miss another great episode. Simply go wherever you look for fine podcasts and search for Stadium Tech Report. We can be found on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on SoundCloud. You should also visit our website at stadiumtechreport.com and sign up for our email newsletter, where you will find links to all our past podcast episodes, as well as all the breaking news, analysis, and commentary that will tell you all you ever need to know about the Stadium Technology Marketplace. So this, so yours then is, you know, the one I'm talking about is the big one, you know, like they use at Columbus or Wrigley. So yep. that's not millimeter wave. That's something different. No, that's magnetic field sensing. Okay. Yeah. Is, is that what the competitors are using now too? Because what, what was interesting is I've talked to two or three of them and nobody would really say what they're using. They would just say what it does. Whenever I, you know, do interviews like that, it sort of. Yep. Sets off my my radar, if you will. Like they don't want <laughs> right. to talk about it. There's a reason they don't want to talk about it. They don't think it's the secrecy. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure why they wouldn't want to talk about it. There's some systems that use passive technology, passive magnetic field sensing. So they're looking mm-hmm. for disturbances in the Earth's magnetic field, which can work to a certain extent. Uh, there's some challenges with it in that anything with a strong magnetic field can set it off. Like so, a like an iWatch. Exactly. Like AirPods, right? Yeah. Like the headphones on your head right now, you know, any magnet, right? The, the snap on a purse or like I've got a magnet in the actually, I don't know if this is the magnet side or the piece in my car is the magnet. But, you know, on the back of my phone case mm-hmm. to, to snap it up onto the dash in my car. Right. It is amazing how many things we all carry that have magnets and yeah. pass. It's very, very difficult to tell the difference between, you know, what's causing yeah. a, uh, uh, let's say, a disturbance in the force, um, you know, when, when, when one of these systems sees that. So passive magnetic field is, is one technology that's been used. There's companies, there's a lot of, and, and, you know, forgive this if it comes across the wrong way, but there's a lot of companies that are sort of science experiment companies, right, that come out of a lab, or a university uh, that's developed a technology that works, um, you know, in the lab, mm-hmm. you know, develop, maybe they get some funding and then they start, uh, you know, promoting it. There's a huge chasm in, in my experience between something that works in the lab and something that works in the real world all day, every day in the heat in Atlanta and the cold in, you know, in, in Green Bay in February. You know, with all the various things that that people carry and the different types of operators that use them, you know, it's it's a challenge making that leap. But as I said at the beginning, I'm lucky enough to work with a team that understands how to deploy technology that's got to work in the real world. Right. And that's what we do. Right. We we make you know we take it out of the lab and we make it work. You know, imagine. If you're going into an environment, uh, you know, whether it's a stadium or or a train station, right? There's right. all kinds of external interference and everything else that 
the system has to be robust to. Right. And I think that creates some challenges for folks. Um, is that is that sort of why your your systems are a little bit bigger, maybe than some of the competitors out there? I mean, is the robustness built into that? Maybe I think that could be the well. I, I look at it this way, right? At thirty six hundred people an hour, one Express, one Evolve Express, which has two lanes, replaces ten to twelve walk through metal detectors. So capacity. You know, based on, you know, capacity comparison, one system replacing 12 and all the staff, right? So it's usually two to two and a half people per, um, you know, it's significantly smaller than the alternative. Uh, I think, you know, I'm trying to think of other technologies that might be significantly smaller. Um, well, I mean, like the, you know, I've seen the Chia open gate yeah. and the Patriot one looks smaller. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I haven't seen those really deployed or in use. So I don't right. have, you know, as many people to talk to. Right. Um, they're also there. So an open gate with, you know, two poles. Right. Creates one lane. Right. So we've yeah. got three poles creating two lanes. Yeah, the big one, one in the, the middle and then two on the Yeah, sides, which right? is one of the reasons it might be, you know, look bigger. Patriot One's the same, right? You got two yeah. short poles creating one lane. You know, and yes, my guess is because of the way we do our active sensing um, and not passive, the field we're establishing and, you know, the way that we want to make it wide open, right? Because yeah. each of the lanes is about four feet wide. Which yeah, allows- theirs are much smaller. Yeah, so you know they're you, usually just doing one person at a time, is what exactly I right. And you know we have crowds going through our system. You know the way when sometimes when I'm demonstrating, I said you can have a, a rugby scrum of people going through. We're still going to find the firearm. I, I, I watched it in action at Columbus at the Columbus yeah. group, and you know it's, it's it's really impressive. I mean, to me, it's like this is what the future should be, but. That brings up another good point, um, which I did want to ask you about, about yeah. the staffing. Brandon at the Haslam Group, you know, was one, one of the things he said is, yes, it's fewer people, but those people need to be stronger people and not physically stronger. Like it's it's a different system, right? Because in the old, you know, the old ways, it's like you walk through the thing beeps, everybody knows they stop. Right. It, it just out of, you know, they stop in the new ones too, though. <laughs> it's just pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but and, they, and everybody's inclination is to take their stuff out of their pocket. Stuff out of the pocket, hands up. They'll be, they'll be trained. It'll take a little, you know, a couple of but, experiences and they'll know. Coming up next, what role do leagues play in the stadium security equation? More from Mike Ellenbogen after the break. This episode is also brought to you by Matsing. Does your venue need a high capacity, reliable network to provide a better fan experience? Did you know that Matsing's innovative lens antennas provide the highest capacity connectivity in stadiums and arenas globally, with only a few antennas needed to cover entire venues? Contact Matsing at matsing.com to discuss your venue's advanced connectivity needs. What's it like dealing with the the leagues in this? Because the one thing I've heard you know, over the time is that some of the leagues, there isn't yet a league-wide, this is approved by the league. I mean, I know people are using it, but I'm assuming that's just a venue-by-venue venue decision. 
you know, is it just taking them longer to figure this out? Are they not convinced yet? Are they? Well, I think the leagues, the leagues want, would like, you know, want to see it in action. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that we're we're working closely with the leagues to address any, any open items and make sure that they're, you know, that they embrace the technology going forward. Right. I I was just wondering if there's anything on the tech that like, that they're not convinced that the technology is robust. No, I think it just I think it just takes a little time, right? It's new, it's different. I think it just takes a little time. What I would point out is, you know, there was no screening. And this is not a comment about the leagues, okay? Right. But just, just take a little, maybe a little bit of background, right? You think about how we got here. As far as I'm aware. The, the leagues decided to implement screening after the Boston Marathon bombing, right? Mm-hmm. There, before that, you know, there was no screening going into a baseball game, let's say. And the only technology that was really available, you know, was the metal detectors, right? So the metal detector might find, you know, a, you know, a little keychain knife like the one I'm holding up here. But is that really what they were put in place to do in the first place? No. And uh, so if what we're trying to do is, you know, protect against, you know, an event or a threat to the crowd, then, you know, it's taken a little bit of time. But I think there's more appropriate ways to do it now. Um, And that a lot of the teams certainly have adopted. And I think we'll see, you know, more wholesale approval and adoption as we go forward. The other thing that struck me about, you know, going back to the Columbus crew is, you know, they have a nice new stadium, right? And they built some of this clearly with flow and technology in mind. Is it sometimes harder for the older stadiums to adopt this kind of equipment or do, I mean, it was interesting what the Denver Broncos did, right? You know, the Empower Field is kind of up on a little hill. Yeah. So they, you know, they, they got the Chia Gates, but they put them 200 feet away down below the hill and created like a, a perimeter. It just seemed to make a lot of sense. If your objective is to help avoid lines, because absolutely, you know, people get in there and they haven't downloaded their tickets yet. Right. <laughs> so well, this I, way they can get close to the stadium, use the stadium Wi-Fi, download their ticket, you know, but they're not in a line, I guess is, right. the, is the point. Yeah, no, I think it makes, as we improve the overall experience, the screening experience, I think it opens up a lot of different possibilities. Um, one of which is pushing the perimeter out right? Which some stadiums are looking at as an opportunity to create another zone, right? Immediately adjacent to the stadium that, you know, I think of as sort of a paper tailgating. Yeah. Right. Now I can go in there, I can get a brat and I can play cornhole before I go into the game versus hanging out in the parking lot. And then you're not all rushing the gate at the last second. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it creates a whole nother layer of fan experience which I think all the stadiums are looking for because, you know, as they compete with the 70 inch TV at home. What is there um, two questions? I, I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. One, are there any plans to, you know, in the future, if you guys thought about, it, it seems like with the electronics and you know, if you get people to adopt things like NFC for their tickets, you know, there could just be one gate for right. security ticketing. Is that a possibility? I mean, is that on, on your roadmap? Yeah, it's certainly something we're looking at. You know, it's it's interesting when you you remove the bottleneck that used to be associated with security, it shines a spotlight on the adjacent bottleneck, right? The next one in the queue. 
and that one tends to be ticketing. So as we look at, you know, what makes the most sense for Evolve, uh, it's certainly something we're looking at. Okay, and then in terms of scalability, and it seems like, you know, fingers crossed and everything, you know, the, the COVID thing is finally going away. More stadiums, I mean, stadiums have been open, but people will probably be more willing to come back. How are you guys set, you know, supply chain wise, uh, microprocessor wise, all, all that thing? Great questions. Great questions. So the last, last year is, you know, there were some real um, supply chain challenges and um, very, you know, happy to report that, you know, our, our team has done a remarkably good job dealing with, with all of those issues as they pop up. And, you know, so supply chain is, uh, is not a current challenge. I mean, I know on the Wi-Fi side, they're saying now if you want to get Wi-Fi IPs, the wait is like six months to a year. So yeah, I believe it. I believe it. No, if, if somebody wants to deploy, we can be pretty responsive. When Great. when stadiums are ready, we're ready to roll. Great. Uh, oh, what about um, battery operated units? Are those also on the radar? Battery we Wi-Fi. Have, we do have systems. We work with customers. We do have systems um, that are running on battery today. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so we you know we don't necessarily have to provide the battery, but we can point them to, you know, a, a battery option. Because I know that's another thing, right? Is people that stand up the perimeters. Exactly what I was going to say, right? Whether a lot of them are not set up like some of the new ones. It's funny the new ones are definitely getting it. I know out at Milwaukee's, you know, when they built the new basketball arena, they have that huge plaza, and there's drops every. Right. I don't know what hundred yards with fiber and power and smart. Yeah, they thought ahead of time. Right. Well, this has been great. Um, I yeah, really I appreciate this. Yeah, and this is, I mean, I I, I appreciate your 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 insight and 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 your time. Uh, yeah, I mean, what we're we're trying to enable the security professionals responsible for keeping the crowd safe to create a safe environment without destroying the visitor experience. Great. Well, um, good luck. I'm assuming we'll be talking more in the future here. I look forward to it. Anytime. We'd like to take a quick moment to thank the sponsors of Stadium Tech Report, whose support enables us to continue our efforts to bring our objective, unbiased, and unpaid-for content to the Stadium Technology Marketplace. Our supporters include our co-producing sponsor, AmpThink. Our survey sponsor, Verizon. Our podcast title sponsors, X2Net Systems and Matsing, and our publication sponsors, which include American Tower, Cox Business Hospitality Network, and Boingo. The Stadium Tech Report podcast is brought to you by Stadium Tech Report, the go-to publication for stadium technology news, analysis, and commentary. Technical production for the Stadium Tech Report podcast is led by creative director Dan Grimsley and digital designer Jackie Wen. Web and design work is by David Farris and John David. All contents of the Stadium Tech Report podcast are copyright Stadium Tech Report. Audio, video, and print content may not be reused without the express written consent of Stadium Tech Report.